Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Chuck Sudo with Senior Housing News. The senior care industry is on the front line battling the spread of the coronavirus pandemic. Author and international authority on geriatric medicine and elder care, Dr. Bill Thomas, believes the industry's response has been solid so far. But as the pandemic evolves, the next phase of response will be harder, and the scale of the outbreak in its response will leave the industry fundamentally changed. Thomas, a longtime innovator in the senior living industry, is perhaps best known for his work with the Eden Alternative and Greenhouse Models. He's also collaborated with well-known senior living providers such as Holiday Retirement. In recent years, Thomas has become a major proponent of small home living for older adults with his multi-ability, multi-generation inclusive communities concept, or MAGIC, as well as MINCA, a pre-fabricated home design concept in which tiny homes are built through modular construction and equipped with technology to help older adults live independently. Before we hear my interview with Dr. Thomas, we'd like to thank our podcast sponsor today, Point Click Care. Are you looking to streamline your workflows for service industry and documentation? Visit www.pointclickcare.com to see how Point Click Care's new mobile app, Companion, can provide you with simplified services and medication delivery in the palm of your hand. And now, my interview with Dr. Bill Thomas. Dr. Bill Thomas, thank you for uh, calling and welcome to the Transform Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Chuck. I appreciate it. We appreciate you taking time out to chat with us during this very uncertain time. So first I wanted to ask regard, you know, regarding the current climate, what are mm-hmm. you what are your thoughts or what are you seeing in the senior care market right now regarding mm-hmm. the COVID nineteen pandemic? Well, I mean, um, I guess I'll just tell you where I came from right before this interview. I was on a call uh, global call with the Eden Alternative Movement, where people from all over the world are all dealing with the same challenges and issues and putting out best practices and new ideas and new approaches to help people uh, in this time. And actually, I I have to tell you, I'm seeing the best of senior living right now. I'm, I'm seeing people pulling together. I'm seeing people sharing ideas freely and uh, supporting each other. It makes me, frankly, it makes me pretty proud uh, of the way senior living is responding to this crisis. Okay, and what are some of the best practices that were being shared at that you know at you know during that you know during that conference call? Well, you know that the Eden Alternative has long been focused on uh, the issues of loneliness, helplessness, and boredom. And I mean, the COVID nineteen epidemic is aggravate in addition to its medical and clinical uh, issues. It's aggravating loneliness, helplessness, and boredom. And here's the thing, you know, we know, we know what we have to do to sort of uh, battle the virus back. And that does involve greater social distance. So the solution to the virus actually aggravates loneliness and boredom. So a lot of professionals are, you know, carrying out that social distancing policy, but at the same time, trying to focus a new place, a new focus on keeping people connected and uh, keeping people involved. And you asked me a specific mm-hmm. question, so I'll, I'll give you kind of two specific answers. Number one, the best organizations that I'm seeing out there right now, they are focused on conceiving of the elders as part of the solution. 
they're looking for opportunities to foster reciprocity and to position uh, the elders and the social isolation they're enduring as being a purposeful thing that the elders can do to help protect the community. So that's one thing. I think the best people in the field are really looking at this as how can we help protect the community and then positioning it that way with seniors uh, that they work with. Second thing I think is we're seeing basically a new era of technology. A lot of digital technology that has been kind of floating around the edges of senior living is now 100% front and center. And I, I think that will that will be with us forever. I think that, that this terrible crisis is actually pulling senior living into the digital era in a way that I've never seen anything like. Now, I'll take that your thoughts on video, on, on video as, you know, as a segue mm-hmm. to the next question. Yeah, and, it, and it's regarding what implications for the industry could be coming out of this. You mentioned that tech will now be front mm. and center. And yeah. video con- I think video conferencing and video is an ease of access platform with, I think you've got mm-hmm. with platforms such as FaceTime and WhatsApp and Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, I think that can be used with marketing campaigns and with mm-hmm keeping mm-hmm. residents in touch with each other. Uh, what mm-hmm. other implications for the industry coming out of, you know, coming out of this pandemic once, it, once it's, you know, we're able to beat it back? Well, uh, speaking from a, a clinical point of view, I think that telehealth, telemedicine is mm-hmm. uh, here to stay. And basically, I'd, I'd say to all my friends in senior living, be there, be there with telemedicine. It's crucial to our survival. The tools exist. There's some great companies out there. I don't, I don't have any particular views about any single company, but I, I just want to say, run, don't walk, to getting a telehealth, telemedicine capability uh, set up in your building. And um, again, I, I'm in contact with a lot of the leaders in the field, and I, I know a number of them are, already have that process underway. Okay. What are your thoughts on the, you know, prior to the, you know, the big conference call you had earlier this morning, what mm-hmm, are your thoughts on mm-hmm. industry response to the outbreak so far? Well, I, I think what I see is the industry response has been, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, focus inward. What do we have to do here so that we're in alignment with best practices, with public, you know, the rules about social distancing, infection control, personal protective equipment, uh, education for staff and elders. I think that's, I think right now the focus that I'm seeing um, when I'm talking to uh, senior living providers is uh, how do we get our organization up to speed? How do we make sure that we are practicing, you know, the standard of we're meeting the standard of practice. And um, I think they're doing a pretty good job with that. Uh, What I see coming is a much more challenging era. You know, often the early phase of the crisis is ironically sometimes the easiest to deal with because what you need to do is right in front of you. And there are no questions about what needs to be done. The next phase is really, wow, a lot more challenging going to involve how do you deal with transfers, with admissions, how do you deal with workforce issues, how do you make sure that um, we're creating an environment that really is, not, is does not foster the transmission of the virus long term. So in the next two weeks, four weeks, 
we can all get through that. But long term, how do we change our our practices and our processes so that the virus really can't spread easily inside senior living? And I have a follow-up question regarding the workforce on that. I think uh, mm-hmm. the you know Kirkland, Washington area was one of the early epicenters of you know of the virus mm-hmm. spreading mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I think reports came out earlier this week indicating you know, that one of the reasons the, you know the virus spread so fast and rapidly there was because mm-hmm. the, you, had, you had workers that were pulling shifts at multiple facilities. So uh-huh. I mean, this, this only highlights uh-huh. the workforce crisis that's yeah. happening in senior living. So I mean, wow. and as this goes on, how will the, I mean, how, you know, how will wow. the industry be able to attract workers to this who might be afraid of catching the virus? Well, I think, again, I'll give a short-term and a long-term answer. In the short-term, there's going to be lots and lots of people who will take a job at a senior living community for a lot of, uh, there are so many people, for example, in the food service industry who are now out mm-hmm. of a paycheck and have a mortgage and a car payment. And they're good at what they do. They're good with people. They are, they're hardworking. They're, they have integrity. I short term, I don't really see any problem with senior living filling workforce slots. There's going to be millions of people eager to work in senior living. Longer term, you're right. We have a structural problem where our comparatively low pay and low prestige has led to some of the infection control issues that you're describing. So longer term, you know, as as the economy gets back on its feet and starts to normalize, we have to have a different value proposition for staff. And um, I think it's going to really remake the occupational role description for people working in senior living after after the main part of the crisis has passed. Okay. Again, uh, going back to the you know to the Kirkland epicenter, that mm-hmm. happened mainly in, in skilled nursing facilities. So. Mm-hmm. As the crisis subsides, will COVID-19 make certain types of communities or levels of care look more attractive to prospects than others? I actually think that um, probably long-term, the high-density, high-service level, high-acuity, I guess I'd say, uh, environments are going to take a pretty hard knock. And lower acuity settings with lower density, I think are probably going to have a less severe experience and that'll probably be reflected in the public mind. I mean, I think we are headed into a time where we're going to be reading a lot of headlines we would really not like to be reading. And they won't be headlines because, you know, somebody didn't do their job or, you know, somebody messed up. They're going to be headlines that have to do with the virus exacting a very heavy toll on the most frail people. And we have to, I think we have to acknowledge that. And we've got a lot of public education to do. And with, you know, COVID-19 in the mix, it's going to change the equation in terms of how much care we really try to position in the home uh, versus in facilities. 
and I, you, you know that process is already underway, but it's probably going to be accelerated further as a result of this. Will this strengthen the argument that senior housing is health care and should be integrated into the overall system? <laughs> Let me just say this. And may I just make a statement here? Senior housing is part of the healthcare system, needs to be integrated into the system. The idea that it's not is really damaging uh, both to the healthcare system and to older people. So I, I will say to you that I, I see, I, I honestly think that um, sort of the leisure lifestyle vision of senior housing is perhaps going to be eclipsed somewhat by a vision of a kind of housing that keeps you happy, healthy, and well, rather than a lifestyle, aspirational retirement lifestyle. I just, it's going to be refocus the value proposition for senior housing around some really core variables having to do with health and wellness. And healthcare has to be part of that. So one of the things I often say when I'm talking to people about this is that, you know, great quality health care is necessary, but not sufficient. It's necessary because it's part of keeping us, you know, well, but it doesn't provide everything we need for a good life. Health care does not. So senior housing is going to have to learn how to blend both the necessity of health care, and we were talking about telehealth earlier, with the, the important additional dimensions that are really rooted in just well-being. So if I say one last thing, the, um, I would be more worried about the future of kind of high amenity, high-end senior housing based on a leisure concept and more optimistic about a vision of senior living based on a really solid foundational strategy for delivering health and wellness. So to be you know, so so to clarify, you you know you feel that this might put a crimp in interest and future demand for active adult long term. Ah, uh, yeah, I do. I think that you know the market will answer the question for us, but that's my thinking at this time. Okay, you had noted uh, that higher density, higher acuity, uh, higher acuity settings of care will be the most mm-hmm. impacted short term. And Mika is, yeah, is a tiny home concept. What, mm-hmm. I mean, do you see any sort of impact on ongoing trends in senior care or in senior care development, such as mm-hmm. placing mm-hmm. senior care as part of a larger, denser mixed use development? Or, you know, mm-hmm. or will there be a greater increase for a healthcare component as a part mm-hmm. of a mixed, uh, as part mm-hmm. of a mixed use mm-hmm. development in response yeah. to this? A great question. I, I really see the, this terrible epidemic uh, chiefly accelerating industry trends that are already in place. So just do a thought experiment. I I don't see, as a result of our epidemic, America going out and building uh, 10,000 nursing homes. You know, I I don't see that coming out of it. I see an acceleration of a move toward health, home, and community-based services. I see an acceleration to more distributed models, just more distributed models with less of a focus on concentration. I see uh, a shift uh, that is probably going to be greatly accelerated toward more middle market offerings, especially given the economic impact this is going to 
entail. And then uh, finally, you mentioned it, and I, I have to reinforce it. I see less of a, a line between the healthcare system and the home, being at home. Health and home are going to be blended in some pretty interesting new and different ways going forward. But as to the you know, premise of your question, those are all trends underway right now. Before the virus, they were underway. I just believe they'll be accelerated as a consequence of this outbreak. And with regards to you know those lower densities, do you feel that tiny home concepts such as Minka are well positioned to be able to fill that you know fill that void you know moving forward? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I my, it's my earnest desire and hope that the architecture, the overall architecture of housing for older people is impacted, that we see. But one of the criticisms I've had of the architecture of senior living over the past few years has been of too much homogeneity. And I'd like to, if you don't, you don't mind me taking a minute, I'll make a little bit of a metaphor here. But Floors in agriculture, yeah, <laughs> in agriculture, you can get some pretty incredible yields from a, pro- a process called monoculture, where, you know, you have... 40,000 acres of soybeans, you know, and, you know, with a lot of inputs uh, in the right machinery, you can get incredible outcomes. However, that system of monoculture, even though it can be very productive, is also prone to shocks from pests or weather or other things. One bad variable can endanger your entire crop. And what I've seen in senior living, perhaps really over the last 10 years or so, is an ever-narrowing vision of what a senior living building looks like. The buildings look more and more alike in more and more places. And we're, we've developed a bit of a monoculture in senior living. And what, I, what I'd like to see, what I think is healthier, especially in a world where you know, the coronavirus may not be the last shock we get, I'd like to see a more diverse set of architectures, uh, a wider range of choices, uh, more dispersed models that can complement the existing stock of buildings, you know, that can add to what we have. But I think we have to diversify the, our architectural palette uh, so that our customers, you know, the people we care about, have a wider range of choices and that the field isn't placed at such great risk by being too much alike. Okay. Regarding the regarding the need for middle market housing, I mean it's been there, it's been talked about for at least the past year based on what you know Nick's you know Nick's report mm-hmm. on, you know, on the mm-hmm. on the future demand is. Mm-hmm. But you know, speaking to you know to experts in the market, they're I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're in you know, and you know the the case is that you know, investors are driving what's happening with pricing right now, and unless there's some sort of government inter, you know, unless there's some you know, some sort mm-hmm. of way to incentivize middle market development, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it it won't happen. And even if they can, it might not be enough. So I mean, mm-hmm. what has to happen? on the investor side of things to incentivize and encourage that, you know, the, you know, meeting that, that demand. Well, I, I would put it this way, and this really ties into the previous question, but first the increasingly large complex senior housing investments take 
taking longer and longer to entitle, to build, and fill. And we, we all know that. So the carrying costs on projects are getting higher and higher. And the number of zip codes or, or building lots that really are really suited for a, a senior living product is becoming harder and harder to find that inventory. But if you can pull it off, you get pretty good returns. As you know, the senior living category has been near the top in returns for uh, in real estate investment. So I believe that that value proposition is going to be joined by a, a second different value proposition, which is this. We're going to be able to do a large number of small, low-risk developments for, uh, that operate at a lower price point and, uh, and here's the kicker. And our return is going to be less than the prestige developments. But our throughput or the number of completed projects versus projects attempted is going to be higher so that our risk, overall risk, is lower. And it's okay to take a lower return because we're taking a, a reduced risk. So think about it. The a big part of that risk premium that's built into the, the big senior living projects, a big part of that risk premium it is really related to how many of those big projects don't go and how many holes you have to drill before you get one, you know, built and filled. And if you have access to models that produce a more modest product at a lower price point, and are easier to entitle and complete and fill more quickly, then you can take a lower return year on year and have uh, actually a better business proposition than the high risk, high return. Okay, and uh, one big picture question is, will this pandemic fundamentally change the way the industry sees itself? Or to that extent, how outsiders view the industry. Yes, this pandemic will change senior living forever, and it will change it from the inside and the outside. And because I have no ability to predict the future, I can't say how exactly it'll change, except from the outside, senior living is going to be judged by how effectively we organize ourselves to protect and, and support and care for very vulnerable people in the middle of a global pandemic. And we're going to be judged on that. And I, I'm really hoping we're going, to be, we're going to come up looking really good. That's my, that's my hope. But it's also going to change us from the inside in that you know, if you're playing a game, like a board game, like the same Monopoly, and somebody comes along and flips the game board over, and you could try as hard as you want to put all the money back and all the pieces back and restart the game, but you cannot restart the You can not restart the game. You have to begin a new game. So what I'm going to say about senior housing is, we're going to put our heads down. We're going to focus on protecting the elders and doing a great job with, for the staff and getting them the equipment they need and, and riding this out. But it's flipping the game board. And after you flip the game board, you have to reset the pieces. And that's where senior living is going to be 
for the next three to five years, just figuring out how to set the pieces on a new, set up a new game, new assumptions, new players, a new landscape. And I think we can wrap it up there. Uh, Dr. Bill Thomas, thank you very much for taking your time to chat with us for the Transform Podcast of Senior Housing News. Thank you, Chuck. I enjoyed it. And that does it for this episode of Transform. Once again, thank you to our podcast sponsor today, Point Click Care. If you're looking to streamline your workflows for service delivery and documentation, visit www.pointclickcare.com to see how Point Click Care's new mobile app, Companion, can provide you with simplified services and medication delivery in the palm of your hand. I'm Chuck Sudo. Thanks for listening.